Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, and right now, book by book, as we go through this last home stretch in 2020, looking at all these books that we didn't have a chance to take a look at, and today, looking at one of my favorites, Ruth. It's a, it's a story, I think, that I think it often gets a little bit superficially treated, um, you know, like it, it's not just kind of like, oh, it's like a charming tale of, uh, you know, I don't know, village life in Bethlehem or something like this. And it's not merely just a, I don't know, a moral example. And in fact, today we're going to see eh, maybe not like moral example. We are looking at Ruth chapter three, uh, which is uh, the climax of the whole thing. Uh, I'll be looking at uh, also the first six verses of chapter four, just to kind of uh, round it out and kind of give us a little bit of the conclusion there. But th- this is a story where the, you, you just have to make sure that you stop along the way and make sure you understand like what what's the significance of each step in the story, because it's all crucial. If things don't line up, things do not turn out very well for Ruth and Naomi. So why are they making these moves, right? Are they are they justified? Are they maybe not so justified, right? These are these are the questions they will be taking a look at. Joining us our guest is Pastor George Murdoch, pastor at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Douglasville, Georgia. Hey brother, it's been just a little bit. Good to have you back. How are you doing? Oh, it's good to be back. A pleasure. Thank you so much, brother. Yeah, and uh, happy to have you with us for for Ruth here. It's really neat that we're going through uh, these different books of the Bible and taking a look at some of these things. Um, When was the last time you looked at Ruth? Actually, um, I think last year, um, last year or so, we were going through some Old Testament books, and someone wanted uh, one of our members wanted to study that as a as a class study. So we did it for Sunday school for uh, morning adult Sunday school about a year, maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. It, it is nice for that, right? Because unlike mm-hmm. Isaiah, where you've got like over 60 chapters to contend with, it's, you know, four chapters <laughs> right. long. It's like, hey, this is right. a Bible study that we might actually finish. <laughs> uh-huh. Right, right. <laughs> right. Uh, but but yeah, but I, I think, uh, you know, l- like a lot of these uh, little books here, we're going to look at, uh, I think I think it's Jonah next time, if, if not um, next time, then very mm-hmm. soon. Uh, but these little books, like they're little but there's a lot packed in, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Old Testament is an incredible book, and I think that sometimes people in the Christian church uh, who really have their eyes uh, focused on Jesus, as it says in Hebrews, fix your eyes on uh, Jesus, um, nonetheless, uh, to get the context not only of Jesus' teaching, but also of his life, the, the very real human life that he lived among the Jews at the time, of the Roman, uh, the Pax Romana, um, I think that it's important that he is completely saturated uh, in the culture of the Old Testament, as were all his contemporaries. And so I think the study of the Old Testament becomes a very important part of what we do in order to even understand the the, the language that Jesus used, the the touchstones of his parables and that sort of thing. And Ruth uh, is one of those books that helps us do that. Uh, absolutely. And I think um, right along those lines, I mean, Ruth really helps us understand what are, what are really like basic concepts. Um, I mean, you, you can't really talk about, um, I mean, even, even what, what does it even mean that, that Jesus Christ is our Redeemer, right? Just, mm-hmm. just basic mm-hmm. like words like that that you take for granted, right? Well, if, mm-hmm. you, if you don't know what the Old Testament background is for redemption, 
like lit- literal mm-hmm. redemption, like we see here um, in Ruth, mm-hmm. which is like one of the one of the best examples that we have of the whole thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it just kind of becomes a a word that you kind of just. I, I feel like it just kind of becomes a word that just kind of means Jesus, right? And it's like it doesn't. It's just kind of a synonym. Like it's just kind of how mm-hmm. you spell Jesus with an R at the beginning, right? right? <laughs> and, and instead yeah. of like an actual distinctive word exactly. with a with a distinctive uh, meaning that you're just missing out on, like you were saying. Yeah, and and carry the the weight that it carries by way of action and sacrifice necessary sometimes to fulfill that very role, and uh, uh, th- there's always that that part of it that that it takes a part of me and a sacrifice a part of me to be a kinsman redeemer, and right. um, uh, in my family, I, I you know as we raise our family within the context of our vocations. Uh, there are opportunities where we have to do that. Sacrifice is necessary. And we see a little of that here as well. Well, yeah. And, and I think, uh, well, and that's interesting too, then also we see the the question of, is, is someone willing to mm-hmm. take that sacrifice? And then maybe what happens if they, if they aren't right. And mm-hmm. so, anyway, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So lots of good stuff, lots of good stuff. Um, but before we, we go into the book here, brother, would you open us up with a prayer? I will. Thank you. Uh, Gracious God, our Father, we we praise, we thank you. We thank you for calling us through Jesus Christ into your household and to being part of your people. We thank you, Lord, that we are in a long line of people whom you've called over the centuries and the millennia to be your people. We thank you that you've given us the seasons of the church, such as Advent, by which we can not only reprise the uh, scriptures, the Messianic scriptures and the New Testament account of the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but also focusing on the second advent of Christ. Father, we thank you that we have this opportunity to be in Ruth, who is the great-grandmother of David, the uh, progenitor of the uh, Judean line that would produce the everlasting King of Kings, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Father, we thank you that we can be in this book, that we can learn from this book, that your Spirit can be with us through this Word that we may come to know you and your love uh, through the very real people that are involved here in this text that we're about to read. Thank you. Enlighten our hearts and give us grace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. And uh, yeah, I appreciate, you know, uh, tying in the, the Advent theme as well. I, uh, it, it's neat. We're, we're going through in our congregation um, out here in Irvine, we're going through uh, the CPH devotional book uh, called uh, Jesse Tree or Jesse's Tree, um, yes. mm-hmm. w- w- which is a which is a neat little resource, and I mean it's like it's like many where you're tracking the uh, you know kind of these Old Testament stories like you were saying that that kind of get you to Jesus, like you know kind of filling mm-hmm. in the blanks um, and and fleshing out uh, you know, the, the picture when it comes to like, you know, that genealogy, like, what does that really mean that you have this family line or as you were saying, the line of David, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the son of Jesse. So yeah, I mean, th- this, this is very significant. And we, we talked about it in, uh, when we were looking at, I think it was second Samuel, the connection to, to Moab that David has. And I mean, here it is, right? I mean, there, there's, there's just so much there in terms of, uh, you know, Advent as a season of, uh, of looking at the, at the family of Christ, which you know, into which we've been adopted, as you said. So it is a fantastic uh, thing we're doing that lines up very well with Advent. Absolutely. All right. Well, so we are are just doing this one chapter here. Um, 
but maybe yeah anything you can say to kind of just kind of very uh, briefly introduce the the book as a whole and, and maybe just kind of uh, some key plot points on the first two chapters just to kind of get us ready to start reading sure. it three verse one uh, sure well, yeah whatever I leave out I'm, I'm sure you will, you will you can fill in the blanks anyway yeah. This is uh, this is a story of a of a, of a man and, and his wife who were in uh, uh, Ephrath uh, from the town of Bethlehem. They were Ephrathites, and uh, it was um, uh, Eli Malik and his wife uh, Naomi, and they go to Moab. Uh, they have a couple of sons, Malon and Kelion, and they marry Moabite wives. Uh, they they die. The husband dies first, and then the two sons pass away some years later. About ten years later, I think they pass away. So Naomi's left with her two uh, daughter-in-laws, and uh, so the famine's over in uh, Bethlehem. So they're going to go. She's going to go back home, and she doesn't really. She never really fit in, and she's never really home. Uh, not only that, but for any really Jewish person, they want to be in the Promised Land. So she's going home, and uh, she uh, tells her uh, daughter-in-laws, "Head on back. You know, this is your country. This is go back to your people, your your father's house, and that sort of thing." And uh, they. Uh, 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 one of them, Oprah, goes back, but uh, Ruth refuses to. She says, uh, she gives that famous phrase, uh, uh, yep. I will go where you go, your people will be my people, your God will be my God, yep. uh, and I will dwell with you. And so she brings along with her back to Bethlehem. Once they get there, uh, you know, things are okay, things are better, uh, but still they have to provide for themselves. So she sends Ruth out gleaning in the field right. of her relative. Now, this is important because she sends her to a relative's field, which is Boaz, a uh, relative of Naomi, who's changed her name to Mara, meaning sadness or bitterness. And uh, so she sends her out to glean, and uh, Boaz, I think, you know, probably understanding that this is the, you know, the uh, husbandless daughter-in-law of Naomi, because, I mean, yeah. word gets around in a small village. So he realizes what? that. So he tells... Well, I just interrupt really, really, really quick. You, you yeah. said gleaning, right? So for for everyone yeah. who's not familiar with that, right? That like, so this is referring to like what what's prescribed in Leviticus that you would right. you would leave the field with like leftovers so that mm-hmm. the sojourner and the poor and the widow and the orphan could basically pick up the leftovers, right? So I mean that complements her being identified with uh, as a widow, right? Right, exactly, perfect, perfectly, of course, and uh, and so, and he even tells his he, he tells his retainers he tells them now listen, uh, uh, do not fool with her, don't 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 touch her, don't have anything to do with her, and make sure she gets plenty of water, and and see to you leave just a few extra sheaves not taken, right. you know, and give mm-hmm. her a little bit extra because he's you know he's really looking after Naomi, that's his mm-hmm. first cousin, if you will. He's going above and, and beyond uh, what's required of him. Right. Exactly. Exactly. He's a just and righteous man. He understands his obligations here, and he takes care of it. Anyway, this happens, and then uh, she comes back to report to mom, uh, mom-in-law. Uh, what yeah. we call in Arkansas, you say mom-in-law, and she mom-in-law. comes back to <laughs> yeah, mom-in-law, and she comes back to report to her uh, what has gone on and what he did and that sort of thing, and how he even yeah. gave her a little extra. And mm-hmm. so Naomi now understands. Wow, maybe we can make a connection here yeah. to preserve the line of Eli Milak Malak and his and his position in Bethlehem. Maybe we can uh, do something with the Levitical, Levitical law as provided for. And she kind yeah. of then becomes matchmaker in, in chapter three. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know, it, it's a it's a really neat chapter, I think, how it's a demonstration of how uh, the the older generation with with its wisdom 
right, can be a huge blessing. Because I, th- I think that's like what's being mm-hmm. depicted here, that Naomi is is a wise woman, right, who, because of the wisdom of that, that she speaks, right, is going to, mm-hmm. in, in some ways, save Ruth. And, and we've seen that in, uh, well, in a big way, right? We saw that in First and Second Samuel, how these, these wise women speak up. And, you know, because of this wisdom, people, I mean, they, they, are, they are saved in different ways. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like what you said, too, about... Uh, preserving the line of of Elimelech, right? Or I mean, mm-hmm. you know, all, all these names. Um, but but you know, I like the way you're breaking it down, though. Eli Melech, right? My, you know, mm-hmm. so like you know, God, my God, is is king. So I mean, that that's fascinating. <laughs> that to, to basically ensure or preserve, my God is king, which my we God would kind king. of take prophetically mm-hmm. as you know, anticipating David, the reign of mm-hmm. King David, right? I, we're we're going to make this happen. I mean that that is that is fascinating, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah. Lo, lo, I think you did a great job just uh, getting us into into the point here. So, yeah, I mean, you, you've got this this poor widow, and they're just kind of making ends meet. But you know, if they're going to have some real security, she she's got to she's got to find a way to get married again, right? And uh, exactly. Well, Naomi, Naomi maybe has a plan. So that's where we that's where we pick up here. Uh, so let's we'll go ahead and and read through chapter three, and then, uh, like I said, the first six verses of uh, of chapter four. Uh, more than plenty to chew on, and then maybe a few extra sheaves as well. So we'll we'll go ahead and start from the top here, chapter three, verse one. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, "My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you?" Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is a winnowing barley. To, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied. All that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another, and he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? 
Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you'll redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. So I, I just really like the story, uh, just in, in, on many counts, right? Just there's there's all kinds of uh, shrewdness <laughs> going on. Um, I mean, it, it's it's just a neat story because of that, right? Like you've got Naomi, just she she knows how things work. She she just can like predict. I mean, isn't it isn't it awesome at the end of chapter three, mm-hmm. right? She's like. Just wait. You, you think these six measures of of uh, you know of barley or anything like no 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 wait. He's going to take care of this today. Like there, there's mm-hmm. no way he's letting this even go later on into the week. Um, so mm-hmm. she she just shows this like wisdom here. Like Boaz shows wisdom. I mean I love it. Right. He's like hey, I just wanted to tell you. You know there's there's this piece of land for sale. You know it, and it's and it's yours. Right. Got your name on it. So you know mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh okay yeah maybe so. Well, I should tell you though. <laughs> I mean, uh, there, there's all there's all kinds of uh, shrewdness, right? Mm-hmm. It reminds you of when Abraham wanted to buy the uh, the burying place. Remember for Sarah and how? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, Genesis, yeah. In Genesis, he he begins to negotiate with the guy and uh, yeah, says, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, no, I'll pay this price. Ah, and the guy says, look, come on, we're friends. We're friends. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. And, but he eventually, I mean, that's just the way it was. You, you speak back, you never, you never, in, in, in that context, as you negotiate, you understand what is right, and what is just, and all that, but you do it in a way that always gives the other person, no matter if, if it's the one giving or the one receiving, that they are honored, and uh, that the that's honor right. of the person is more important. Yeah. yeah, no, that 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 is a key point. Uh, we see this on display, right? Like you always mm-hmm. let the other person save face. That is so right. important, right? You you do you right. do not there is no like you know, it's so it's so uh honestly refreshing to read this because it's not like the gotcha mm-hmm. culture like we live in where yeah. everything is like, you know, oh yeah. look at that, right? And it's like we, we yeah. try to like out we hold it over people when we like have the when we force them into a corner where there's no way they can save face right where there right. there's mud on them regardless of which way they turn no here it's like no 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 like even even if you have to to let something go it's like oh well that's very understandable and hey you're helping mm-hmm. me by doing that i mean mm-hmm. it, it's really yeah, a way exactly. like you were saying of just honoring the other that's exactly right right 
Yeah, we've lost that to some extent. Everybody wants to shake the contract in somebody else's face, you know. <clears throat> yeah, so. yeah, no. Yeah, that, so yeah, it's a it's it's a fascinating um, story for just so many reasons because it mm-hmm. is just such a window, right? Like just sure. a window into uh, the the culture, which. I mean, it's not just kind of like an anthropology, like, you know, uh, you know, expedition. It, it is like window into the culture that has been formed, uh, you know, in God's people around his word. And so, um, you know, I mean, we, we were talking about how in Judges, in many ways, there was there was an abandonment of what was distinctively Israelite. Um, and, mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you had people just kind of going along with this kind of generic Baal worship that kind of just sucked in. Um, oh, Yahwism, right. you know, and so, yeah, I know it's true. It's not like it's perfect. Not that there ever really has been like a, you know, a perfect, you know, Bible based culture or something like this, right? Like that, that's an illusion. Yeah. But, but I mean, you, you see how it, you know, imperfectly, but, but still affirmatively has shaped this culture and the people who are acting mm-hmm. in it. And, and, and you, and you, yeah, you have, you have an example in some ways. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's a beautiful example, in fact, of, of doing this by a man who, you know, in the, in the sense of Boaz himself, um, Boaz, in that little episode where he talks about, you know, you could have gone after a younger man, whether it's a poor, you could have had yeah. anyone you wanted, actually. Uh, there would have been anyone, uh, a number of, of persons that you could have, you know, attached yourself to, forgetting your mother-in-law, just, you know, kind of caring about yourself above everything. Mm-hmm. And been very prosperous, but you didn't. And see, I think Boaz also understands that. Um, I, I don't know that he really uh, knows at this point that Naomi put put her up to this, but I mm. think he understands that she is presenting a character that has is putting though a Moabite, uh, putting the law and custom of of the Hebrews, of the Israelites, uh, and their God, just like she said, your God will be my God. She's putting that ahead of her own interests because it's going to be the, for the interests of her family, which she dedicated herself to when she married. It was either Killian or, or Malin. It doesn't say which one. But when she married into that family, she dedicated herself to that family. And uh, and she shows that. Now, she, she could be free. In fact, her mother-in-law was was setting her free back in Moab, but she decided, no, I will put myself under your God, and I will act the way your God would have me act. I mean, this is for us to just meditate on that kind of thing. Will I be under God? Will I put myself under God? Will I be disadvantaged sometimes if that's what's necessary so that I might serve my God? This is an incredible way of living, actually. Uh, abs, amen, amen, and and I really like too how you're just bringing that out. Also, I mean, re- really, that 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 Ruth is using her own marriage right to be a blessing mm-hmm. to to Naomi. Like she's not mm-hmm. just selfishly saying, "Well, I'm going to marry like the best looking guy, or I'm going to marry like the mm-hmm. richest guy here, or I'm just well, oh, I fell in love, and so Naomi, sorry, like you know, the heart wants what it wants, right? No, I mean, yeah. I mean, she. She's she's pursuing marriage in this way where she's looking at, you know, family. She's looking at the bigger picture mm-hmm. and just I mean what that mm-hmm. even says about marriage even, mm-hmm. right? That that it mm-hmm. that it's not just 
a thing that's between two people so they can make each other happy, but that it's mm -hmm. uh, a blessing that God gives for the sake of family, for the sake of community. So no, I really appreciate you bringing out that dimension as well. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It's about time for our break, but when we get back, we're going to go uh, look at, look at three verse one and kind of look at some of those opening verses and look at some of those, uh, these neat features here, looking at Ruth chapter three on thy strong word. Be right back. Even in these uncertain times, Missouri lawyers are here to help. If your income has been impacted by the current global crisis, or if you qualify as a low-income household, you can have your legal questions answered for free at missouri.freelegalanswers.org. You can ask up to five questions, and they'll be answered by a lawyer licensed in Missouri at no cost to you. Missouri lawyers want you to know you are not alone. Get free answers to your legal questions at missouri.freelegalanswers.org. Brought to you by the Missouri Bar. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Trinity Lutheran Church at 8 a.m. and Village Lutheran Church at 1040, as well as Bible studies from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 930. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Ruth chapter 3. If you've got any questions or comments for us and you're listening live, please join the conversation. You can give us a call at 1-800-730-2727, or you can also, if you're in St. Louis, call 314-821-0850. I know this is a beloved chapter for many people. Maybe you looked at a Bible study recently, like our guest today did, Pastor George Murdaugh, pastor at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Douglasville, Georgia, talking about the selflessness of Ruth, looking at the big picture, seeing even her marriage as a means to bless her family. Uh, just uh, excellent comments, brother. Thank you for that. Uh, also, if you have a question for me or Pastor Murda, you can send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Um, if you do send more than one question, just I'm just saying it, probably only going to look or try to summarize them or look at one or two of them. There's just only so many things we can do, right? Uh, even if it is a short little book, it's, it's just, it really is just so packed. Uh, also, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa for the live stream, where we got a couple questions about um, Ruth's status as a Moabitess, right? To use uh, that, that old phrase, or um, 
Also, why is there? Here's a good question. Uh, we'll to look at this when we get uh, to the last part. Uh, why is that first redeemer's inheritance potentially imperiled by marrying Ruth? That's a, that's an excellent question. We got we got to understand the logic of each of these moves. Um, but I do hope to look at um, uh, a couple of things first before we get to that last part. Um, okay, yeah, just a couple of questions just came came in uh, over email. We'll take a look at those in just a second. I want to make sure to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Thank you guys for supporting Thy Strong Word uh, for you know this, this year and a half now that I've uh, been working with the Office of National Mission uh, as the host here, or uh, the years before with Pastor Will Whedon. Um, excellent stuff that they have been doing with, uh, with us and all over the world, LHF missions.org all right so uh yeah let, let's go ahead and take a look at some of these opening verses that we didn't really have a chance to uh, kind of mm-hmm. look at in a little bit more uh detail uh, it's interesting in verse one where uh naomi says you know my daughter should i not seek rest for you that it may be well with you and this is i think where we have like this kind of like archaic translation, kind of a, I, I don't know. It just it just kind of sounds like Shakespeare or something. What what is she getting at? Well, uh, the the idea there of of rest is uh, the idea of of being well positioned in life. It doesn't mean, uh, um, and also to be resting under the uh, aegis of of Yahweh. You know, to be under the Lord. But it's 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 uh, when they came into the promised land, they were promised rest, uh, so that they would be rest from their journeys, rest from their conflicts which they had had on that journey, and that they would get into that land. And once the land was secured, they would have their rest in the land. And it, that was even memorialized by uh, uh, the seventh year of fallow fields and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, there's there's this overall sense of a rest that is in the Lord. That is beyond simply, you know, your physical rest, and uh, it's a spiritual. Um, yeah, it's spiritual. It's 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 part of who we are as people. Uh, you know, it's like the guy said, everything I needed to know, I learned in kindergarten. One of them was to take a nap every day. You know, so it was it yeah. was that kind of thing. It was it was the idea of resting, um, and uh, so that you should not uh, uh, should I not seek rest for you. In other words, instead of you of being disconnected and maybe a widow your entire life, should not you have the benefit of the rest of the Lord uh, in in being connected to the people and connected to the promise, yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for fleshing that out. And I do think that um, it definitely ties into that broader theme of rest that you see that, I mean, again and again, whether it's in Joshua or Judges or, I mean, the promise to the patriarchs, it's interesting that the word for rest here in the Hebrew is not the word for, for Sabbath, I mean, that rest that we're familiar mm-hmm. with, but this is the Manoah, which is related to, I mean, you can hear it, Noah, the mm-hmm. Noah, right? So, like, this right. is, uh, you know, the term for, like, when the ark came to rest, right, yes. at the mm-hmm. top of the, of the mountain. So, that mm-hmm. idea of not being so precarious up in the air or up on the waves, mm-hmm. as the case mm-hmm. may be, right? But like be, be mm-hmm. having stability, right? And and I and I think that's what she's kind of getting at. Like, hey, th- this isn't stable. You're you're going and you're 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 scrounging around for scraps, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, really, mm-hmm. like, how long can you keep this up? 
You know, yeah. uh, I mean, you're you're mm-hmm. you're relatively young and strong now, but like, you know, you can't just keep doing this. So, um, yeah, yeah, I th- I think it's you know like trying trying to find uh, security, stability, right? And, and I think stability is is maybe a really good way of putting it. That you know that I think yeah, a lot of people can mm-hmm. can can relate yeah. to. Um, and, uh, so so it, go, it, go ahead. Mm-hmm. It, no, the, the matchmaking, the matchmaking uh, idea within this in the family structure of, of the Israelites, which is still in in some cultures today, still very prominent in some cultures. I worked in India, still very prominent in India. Mm-hmm. The idea there is to settle people well for the for the family and for the yeah. children to settle well in life, and that is that is something that they do pursue. And, and right, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, right. No, no, that's very good. Right, and seeing seeing that as you you want to get into uh, a, a stable relationship mm-hmm. and, and a stable mm-hmm. marriage, right? Like we're mm-hmm. we're not um, we're, we're trying to pursue something that's going to be. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're kind of looking at it from all angles and, and kind of looking at more in terms of like, okay, this this is kind of good from all angles, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know, I don't know, wow, we're just kind of like smitten on, you know, mm-hmm. on these one or two, three considerations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes and she she, she, uh, she suggests Boaz, um, you know, it says our relative, and uh, you mentioned this, you mentioned Leviticus, right? So, uh, you know, to our ears, we're like, hang on, like, hang on, what? Relatives? Uh, but uh, no, th- th- this is referring to that Levitical code, right? That um, if, a, if a widow um, is in a situation where she doesn't have any any sons, um, that the brother-in-law of her deceased husband um, has the obligation. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting because is it like is it a right? Is it an obligation? Right uh, to uh, to to I guess kind of step in, take take the widow as his own wife, and produce offspring in in his place. And this this is a very interesting situation. Um, a lot of people have suggested that this is what happened with Mary and Joseph, that um, that Joseph died relatively uh, early on, and that you know potentially someone else, like you know his you know brother-in-law, came in, and then the siblings that are spoken of in the Gospels of our Lord um, are actually, um, well, I, I guess they were going to be half siblings either way. <laughs> right, right, either way, either way. I've, right, right, I've always been very comfortable. I've always been very comfortable with with uh, his uh, his brothers and sisters being uh, the the children of Joseph. I have no problem with that. So yeah, yeah. no, and, 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 and neither and neither do I. Um, it, it is interesting that that one of them is mm-hmm. apparently named Joseph, which I think you can take either exactly. way as, as right. like it's his father or it's his. You know, deceased mm-hmm. father. You know, mm-hmm. from his. But anyways, but but it's just it's a it's a common it's a common practice, um, and, and it's for the mm-hmm. sake of preserving the name. Another another sense mm-hmm. of stability, right? That we're going to have exactly. um, stability in, in the broader picture. So, all right, mm-hmm. I got I got to ask though. So th- this is the big thing, and this I think um, gets to one of the email questions that came in. Okay, so her advice, right? Uh, but when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and cover his feet and lie down. Okay, what exactly is going on here? It feels like something is maybe being lost in translation. Um, so here, here's the email question. Is the laying at the feet a display of humility to Boaz by Ruth, um, which 
uh, for today's uh, sense of feminism would perhaps be seen uh, as a humiliation, right? Like she's she's making her out, herself out to be like a, a slave or, or or a servant, right? Like is you know so this so this is a I mean yeah it's a, it's a thoughtful question, um, and, and kind of like what what I'm wondering about too is well I'm familiar with a couple of idioms about lying down and feet in the Old Testament and a lot of them don't necessarily have to do with the things with toes on them. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? What is, what is she saying here? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, there is, there is some commentators who think that uh, there's a sexual nature to this uh, event, uh, that it's an mm-hmm. invitation by Ruth for something here to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that is, that's rejected by, by most commentators, although there are some who, who, who hold to that. There's nothing in the Scripture uh, you know, we allow Scripture to interpret itself, and there's really nothing in Scripture to suggest that this is anything more than Ruth taking the opportunity uh, at the behest of her mother-in-law, at, at really the, the counsel of her mother-in-law, uh, to uh, introduce herself as being available to her uh, kinsman redeemer, if he wishes to redeem her. And uh, I think there's nothing more to that. He, she uncovers his feet because uh, very likely... Um, with his feet, on, it, it doesn't say that she uncovered his feet and then she covered his feet, or that she uh, snuggled against his feet. She uncovered his feet and slept at and 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 lay at the at his feet. So cold feet, you're going to wake up. I mean, it was important that he wake up. And, uh, <laughs> okay, okay, and yeah. He, and that he see who is at her at his feet, and he knows her. I mean, it's not it's not a stranger. He knows who she is. But he's, he also understands why she has done this. Uh, and she simply says to him, uh, you know, Naomi says, uh, and she replied, well, I'll do as you say. And then he, when he recognizes her, he recognizes her uh, right away. And um, so, and he understands the purpose of why she's there, is that he is a kinsman redeemer. It says so already in chapter 2, mm-hmm. uh, Ruth, uh, the Moabite said, besides uh, uh, this and Ruth, the Moabite, said, besides, he said to me, you shall uh, keep a close uh, watch by, by your man until you have finished. And Naomi said uh, that he was a kinsman redeemer. He, she says it in verse, I think, verse 24, he's a kinsman redeemer. And she said, yeah, he must be because he's telling me to stay close to the guys and, and to glean where they drop, you know. So uh-huh. she understands who she, who he is to her. And because of that, uh, this is simply a, and of course we don't we don't know the full kind of depth of the cultural uh, malaise of that day or the cultural yeah. sig- signals that people give. We know those more of our own culture than we do sure. of that one. And this was just simply this woman saying to her kinsman redeemer, um, "I'm your servant. I'm at more. I'm at your service. Whatever you say, whatever you want. That's that's what I'll do." Yeah, I, I think that certainly. Uh, I, I think I think right. We have to affirm that in, in the big picture, th- this is a signal that she's saying, "Hey, um, if you want to do this kinsman redeemer thing, I'd be mm-hmm. all for it." Right? Like, so I mean, I, I think I think it's I think it's pretty. Yeah, it, it's pretty clear that I mean that this is what's being communicated at the end of the day, regardless of exactly mm-hmm. how we get there. Um, 
Mm-hmm. It it is interesting though that you know the, the way. Well, I think there's uh, several things that are interesting here. Is she, so she says, you know, wash yourself uh, and uh, anoint yourself, put on your cloak. So I mean, so okay, get clean, smell good. <laughs> yeah. um, but do not make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Now, that's interesting, right? And then we get the further comment later on that when she follows through, it's, uh, you know, he had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry. So mm-hmm. it seems like she is she is waiting till he's like, you know, had his wine. He's got, you know, a good little buzz. He's, you know, nice and cozy, mm-hmm. right? And, he, and, and, he's, and he's, well, I mean, just think about this, right? He's like, mm-hmm. he's lying down. He's just falling asleep um, on a heap of grain, this this maybe does sound like somebody who's had a little or maybe a lot of bit of wine and yeah. and is just you know okay i'm not even gonna you know go to bed i'm just this this is comfortable yeah. enough right here so i mean yeah. it, it is it is interesting that there is this sort of kind of like okay we're gonna wait till he's uh i don't know what in a slightly more uh, favorably displeased state of mind um yeah. and to kind of go in there and to cover herself with this cloak so that uh, no one would know exactly who she was, like until this right. key moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, so like, what mm-hmm. what do you make of that though? Like, kind of making these kind of really, um, I don't know, not necessarily sneaky, but very very well exercising a lot of discretion here. It reminds me of how an Esther, how Esther mm-hmm. like waits until uh, the the king has had lots and lots of wine mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to make her request. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Well, uh, you know the the whole thing here. Of course, the cloak uh, and the uh, and the anointing and the the, the bath, the anointing like that, and the cloak. It is to disguise her to some extent, so yeah. that uh, because she says, "Wait and and see until he eats and drinks, and then he lies down for a while." Yeah. So she has to be there before um, he lies down. It's not like she snuck in during the night after he lied lay down. As she had. To be there, she had to know when those events had taken place. So the cloak there, I think, was cover her face. You know, obviously, if you've been in the Middle East, or if you've been with people that are Muslim, even I, I see that in India a lot among the Muslim people. They're completely covered, and uh, yeah. you wouldn't know who they are. And so she has covered herself so that they, so she won't be readily recognized. Because if she were, it's very likely she would have been announced to him by anybody who saw her. So she does that. Then, when the time comes, and and the idea of being Mary is. Generally at the harvest, it, it's also at the sheep shearing and things of that. As you're coming towards the end of the harvest or towards the end, there's a celebration. And, uh, and it's at the threshing floor in this case because they're doing, uh, they're doing grain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and another reason why we may suspect that this is at the end of the harvest season is because the amount of grain he can give her. That's uh, right. It's, the grain's already been separated from the stalks. So we're at the end of the harvest time here, and it's obviously a celebration time that if you know anything about an agrarian culture, that's when they celebrate. And so uh, naturally, and and of course, there's wine at these celebrations. And it isn't that he, there's nothing about him being drunk. If he were drunk, it would have said so. But no no one, we're told, was drunk. I mean, we're we're told in the Bible that somebody gets drunk. So that's not the point at all. He's married because it is a it's a joyful time. It's a time when the harvest is done and we've been successful and you know, that's all it is. And then he lies yeah. down and sleeps and then, then the rest takes place, you know, where she, she comes in at that point. Yeah, no, no. So uh, yeah, I, I think that 
um, those are some helpful comments to kind of help us appreciate the kind of cultural setting here and, and mm-hmm. saying, yeah, you know, they're, they're going to have wine. And, and we know, for instance, yep. from like the, the Lord's first miracle as recorded in John, right, that mm-hmm. they're going to drink a lot of wine. Um, but mm-hmm. the, the point is not that, you know, like, oh, they're, they're drunk and this is bad and shameful. Mm-hmm. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, like if you've been at a wedding and you have mm-hmm. a lot of wine, but not to the point where you're drunk, but, you know, because it is like mm-hmm. one of the biggest celebrations in life. And yeah, it, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's a little bit more than you would uh, at your kind of standard uh, you know, uh, dinner where you just, mm-hmm. you know, have like a, like a single glass or something like this. Right. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone's kind of feeling happy and pleasant and everyone, you know, if, if someone makes a request, you'll be like, oh yeah, sure. I'm feeling generous. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like when, when people are like at a Christmas party, right? Like right. who, who mm-hmm. says no, right? Like to mm-hmm. reasonable requests at a Christmas party. Sure. No one does. Right. right. You know, so, so I, I do think that there is something to that where, um, she is not necessarily taking advantage, but making the most of a situation right. exactly. shrewdly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. and, and, and yeah, and, and the uncovering of the feet, I like what you, you pointed out about the, the covering, right? Everyone's wearing, you know, they're not wearing pants and t-shirts, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like they, they, yeah. they have, they have robes and tunics, right? Mm-hmm. So, exactly. so if you uncover his feet, this isn't, she took off his socks, right? Like not the right cultural reference, right? But but she uh-huh. she's lifting up, right? I mean I mean his his robe, which uh-huh. you know on the one hand I think I think you're exactly right. Like the story does say that you know it says at midnight the man was startled and turned over, right? So it's uh you know because he's he's cold, right? That makes sense. <laughs> However, right by lifting up and uncovering his feet, um, there is something. Uh, not a little bit suggestive about this. I mean, I'm not saying that this is full out an idiom for uh, intercourse. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a few, right? Mm-hmm. Like we know that with uh, Samson, for instance, like there's this idiom um, that says that uh, Delilah made him uh, sleep on her knees. <laughs> mm-hmm. And right, right. That, that's, mm-hmm. uh, okay, that, that means more than sleep on her knees, right? But yeah. mm-hmm. th- this is not... I don't. I don't think. I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think it's like quite that level. However, mm-hmm. right? I think. I think even you and I know, right? Like that. Uh, even today, if a woman like shows up at a guy's bed in the middle of the night and she's uh, lifted up his like his like his robe or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's like okay. This is this is kind of making her intentions pretty clear, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't think that there was any equivocation about that. I, I believe that, and and we can tell from the text that he interpreted yeah. it correctly. So yeah. no, there's no, there's a fact she wants him to take her as wife. There's, yep. there's no that that is what is going on here. That's what she wants. And this, I think, if you think about, it, is probably in in the context, probably the least offensive way to make that known without just yeah. coming right out and say, "Why don't you redeem me?" You know. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, she's still being very culturally correct and culturally uh, uh, appropriate, and uh, and he gets the signal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he he gets the, he gets the signal. I mean, I mean, yeah, cl- clearly, right? When when he says this, mm-hmm. I mean, because he responds, right? It's it's amazing the way he responds, right? You know, may you be blessed mm-hmm. by the Lord, or, um, you know, and the rest of it. You know, you've not gone after young men. Whether I mean, he is mm-hmm. talking like he is responding to a marriage proposal. 
Right. So, so uh, right. yeah. So he, mm-hmm. he absolutely he absolutely gets gets the signal. Um, so, 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 to, so, can we go to yeah. nine because I think that that's an yeah. important. Ta- uh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So he sees her and he uh, he's startled. He says he says in nine. He says, "Who are you?" And she answered, "I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for mm-hmm. you are a redeemer." Now, the spread your wings over the Redeemer, over me, is the idea of putting your cloak around me kind of thing. It's, it's, it means that, that she uncovered his feet. Now she's asking him to cover her. Yeah. To cover her with his protection, to cover her with his wings. This, this uh, under the wings and, and, uh, of God and the, and the uh, opinions of the Lord— uh, and, and these sort of things is very uh, well used as a euphemism in, in, in Scripture uh, for protection. And yeah. so she, and then she plain says it, you're my kinsman redeemer, so, uh, so I want you to protect me. So she's making yes. it clear why she's there. Yeah, no, that, that, that's right. Well, and, and the thing is, I, I think that this is good because it, it's showing here how, I mean, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't herself demeaning herself. I mean, this mm-hmm. is this is seen in the biblical context as um, a right understanding of marriage that mm-hmm. the man um, he he protects his wife. I mean, there mm-hmm. there is inherently something about that in the relationship mm-hmm. that there is supposed to be this protection. There is supposed to be the sense of the husband is providing stability. Um, you know, and in different cultures, that's going to take on different it's going to look different the way that a husband uh, provides stability for his wife and the way that a husband's going to, to sacrifice and protect his wife, whether that's, you know, by going out to battle every year, right. As it did in biblical context mm-hmm. very often mm-hmm. um, or, or in, or, you know, in our context, by God's grace, it's not quite right. so battle mm-hmm. intensive, but um, in any case, yeah, the, you, you see that again and again, as you were saying, in the biblical image of God as the husband, king, protector, right? All those things mm-hmm. kind of right. end up going together. Um, the, the last little thing I wanted to just point out, which I just, I don't even know what to make of it, just kind of hit me. I was looking at Mark 15 and Mark 16 recently, and I, I was just struck how by how in Mark it says that the women saw where Jesus was laid— and then they go and they follow him and they get, uh, well, you know, they, they follow and, and they see mm-hmm. and they go to the tomb Easter morning and they say, who's going to uncover the tomb, right? And mm-hmm. it just struck me that verse four feels a lot like that. They, they saw, right, she sees where he is laid, where he lies down, mm-hmm. and, then he go, mm-hmm. and then she goes to uncover, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know what, I don't know. It's seriously something just popped into my head. Like, do, do you kind of see like a, a Christ uh, metaphor or anticipation here with like what's mm-hmm. going on in this moment on the threshing floor? Well, I know, I know that, uh, you know, Jesus said in, uh, 539 of John, you search the scriptures, believing in them, you have life. I tell you, they are about me. And I don't know if you included Ruth in that, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, you know, I think we are supposed to see, you know, uh, at, at, uh, Advent, uh, we usually put up a, uh, what we call a Christmas tree sometime along the line. And yeah. we put on that Christmas tree things known as Christmons. Yeah. Uh, so they were constantly reminding. Generally, on that Christmon, there is some kind of, of uh, either symbol or sign or word that is to remind us of exactly who Jesus is. 
and what he has done and, and all of that. And so uh, if you want, you know, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with approaching the Old Testament as a Christmas. Uh, yeah. Just go ahead and, and look at it and see that. I once was in, a, in a, a, a group with a bunch of other pastors, and I suggested to them that uh, when you read the Psalms, read the Psalms as if they were Jesus, as if they were talking about Jesus. And I had an older pastor come up to me after he, I think he was a, a, a Baptist or something, come up to me, and he said, I have never thought of it that way. He said he never thought that you yeah. should actually read the Psalms, and yet Jesus himself says in Scriptures they were about him, the Psalms. Oh, they yeah. Show, he showed them from the Psalms how the Son of that, Man had to come, how the Christ had to come. So, no, no, amen. I think any time that this, this puts into our mind how God has prepared constantly through his Word, to bring us to that the, to that apex of Christ and the center of Christ in, in, in all of what God is doing in the world. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Uh, thank, thank you for sharing that. I mean, it really is a tremendous blessing, especially with the Psalms, right, to, to see Christ in them, and certainly the apostles themselves did, right? Um, last question with only like a minute left here. So it's interesting when you do get into the bit of chapter four that we did read, um, you know, he goes and he finds the kinsman redeemer. So the one who has the right and, you know, potentially even the obligation in some ways, um, if he can't find someone else to do it, mm-hmm. um, to, to take on Ruth, um, along with the field. Right. Um, mm-hmm. why does he say in verse six, you know, I can't redeem it. Like, unless I impair my own inheritance, why is he reluctant? Yeah. And, and what do we make of this? Well, we don't know for sure. We, there's no other, there's any further detail of it. Uh, then I can't redeem it. It's, it's very likely because he can't, I think, most, the most practical reason I think would be he can't afford another wife. Hmm. He just can't afford to have to take on that responsibility. Uh, that's just not something he can afford uh, to do, even though he, he would be willing to if he could. Um, uh, but, you know, lest I impair my own inheritance. He has children. He what if I raise up other children? You know, that's going to yep. mean that my inheritance has to be greater divided, yep. and and that sort of thing. I think it's a very practical thing he's saying here. Well, you know, if if it means having to to raise up children to to my cousin, um, yep. or you know, I, I I can't do it because you know my inheritance is not big enough to do that. He's just not in a position to take her on. Yeah, I, I think I think so. Right? It's a, it's not just marry her; it's have children. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so he, he, he's going to run out of inheritance to give. But, you know, thank God and Jesus Christ, yeah. there's inheritance that we receive and we're all adopted. No matter how many of us are adopted, there is no right. end to the inheritance. It, it just gets bigger. So, yeah. a, amen, yeah. brother. Uh, thank you so much. I, I think you really helped open our minds to seeing this as a beautiful, beautiful Christmas. Thank you so much. It's been a, a pleasure yeah. having yeah. you on these several times. Yeah. God bless you. Thank you, brother. Bye-bye. Everybody, Pastor George Murdoch, pastor at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Douglasville, Georgia. Going on to Job. Awesome stuff. Little books, big, big meaning. Until then, I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. Peace. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.